This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to another Go 24-7 podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me after the spring game on this Monday morning is Shay Dixon. Shay, how are you doing today? Doing well. Spring's in the books. 15 practices. I think that um, this is probably one of the more fun springs for us to cover, not just because we got a little more access, but beyond the O-line coach, Brad Davis, it was a completely new coaching staff, a new head coach in Brian Kelly. And instead of just, you know, a handful of early enrollees, they had that. They had, what, six early enrollees from high school, something like that. But Brian Kelly signs 15 transfers, double digit of which were out there in spring ball. And uh, with a quarterback battle tossed in, there was always kind of something to be paying attention to. So it uh, it was fun. I think that, as Brian Kelly said, Matty B, that uh, his goal through spring was to figure out the weaknesses on the team. And because of that, they gave a ton of people reps. The quarterbacks pretty much got even reps the whole time. And uh, we got a good glimpse of kind of what they have, what they don't have, what they've addressed in the portal. And um, I think we got at least an early feel for what this team could look like come fall. They've got a long way to go. Um, and a lot of guys were missing from injury or getting banged up at times, but uh, we at least got to see kind of what the blueprint of, of what Brian Kelly and, and this staff want to do is. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of hit on the head. Well, this was my first LSU spring. Obviously. Oh, that's right. They're usually so, boring. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm only accustomed to having like 25 new players, like checking off their numbers like because like I don't know who they are half the time and getting to know the coaches and everything I mean the access was was amazing right and that's what we talked about a lot was being able to talk to however many players they brought in like what like 20 players probably 15 to 20 players right um in total and then every I mean both coordinators then Brian Kelly basically once a week I mean the access was tremendous and so I feel like we have I mean we got to watch two full practices right and a spring game so from that perspective I feel like we have a pretty good handle on what what this team could be and the personnel that it's working with and what the coaches are kind of thinking. Cause when you watch those practices, you can kind of see um, the points of emphasis, the depth chart, how it's kind of shaking out to a degree. And I feel like we have a good, good handle on what, what we're looking at here. With that being said, the spring game was going to always going to be interesting because for us, you know, we've seen practice and we've seen the scrimmages and everything like that. This was the chance for everybody to see it. And um, they had had a little bit of a crowd there. It was on SEC network. I'm sure everybody was watching it. And I think we, we can start with the quarterbacks and then we'll go to kind of takeaways from other positions from there. But when we do the quarterbacks and let me, let me pull this up real quick. I posted a poll on our site Let's see where it's at. I posted it was up for about almost 24 hours, I want to say. And we got 444 votes. And the question was, who will be the starting quarterback versus Florida State? And I just said, your best guess, what is it? And of the 444 votes, 330 were for Miles Brennan. That's 74.3%. 80 votes went to Garrett Nussmeyer. That's 18%. And 34 votes went to Jaden Daniels. That's 7.6%. Yeah. 
Now, if I would have posted that, you know, once Daniels got added or even probably a week ago, the numbers would have looked very different. It probably would have been more Brennan and Daniels. Now we have Nussmeyer in the mix. I wrote a story on it right after the game uh, just about how difficult it is with Brian Kelly was even said, he's like, I don't think we made it any easier. I think all of them had have different traits that can be utilized. Where are you at with this quarterback competition? And are you surprised? I mean, are you surprised that it's as kind of lopsided in the fans perspective as it is? You know, I think that what people saw was kind of buzz we heard behind the scenes, right? That Nussmeyer, when you look at it all and you see him throughout all the practices, that he's got a live arm, that he's grown his game a good bit, that he's finding ways to, uh, you did a story, you know, on an interview with him earlier this spring, he said, shed that gunslinger mentality, you know, where last year he knew he wasn't going to start and, you know, probably wasn't going to play a lot. So he would just let it loose. And, you know, I think now he's understanding to hone it back in and, He's very much in the mix here. Um, let's play a game, though, because I think this will help people understand where I'm at, at least, and, and with this thought process. They've got three quarterbacks, right, yes. that you would presume are in the mix. Walker Howard is very talented, obviously. Let's, we're going to imagine he's taking a red shirt. That would be their goal. Um, if you only had Brennan and Jaden Daniels, who would start? Brennan. If you only had Brennan Usmeyer, who would start? Probably Brennan. And if you only had Nussmeyer and Daniels, who would you start? That's tough for me. I mean, for me, I feel like everyone's going to answer Brennan most likely. Or I'm sorry, uh, Nussmeyer after that one. For me, it's more difficult. I'll get into to my thoughts in a second. I feel like Nussmeyer would probably be in the lead at that point, though. Okay. And in all three scenarios, who's one player that you could see playing no matter what? Brennan most likely based off experience. In terms, I guess what I meant by that is, is there a path where you see Daniels playing no matter who starts? Oh, most likely, yeah. Because, I mean, okay. he's just so different from the other two. So, and look, maybe we're under, you know, kind of brushing off Daniels' three years of starting. I mean, maybe they do over the summer and fall see him as the guy uh, that, you know, whether it's just, whether it's legs or his arm or his poise or his understanding of the offense that he's the number one guy. I just get the sense how Brian Kelly talks right now. It's Brennan and we got to watch them all. And I don't, I think most people would say, I like this Nussmeyer kid. He's the young one. You can see how far, you know, he's grown in just a year. He's got great upside, but at the same time, these coaches get paid a lot of money. Brian Kelly's won games at a really high clip. And I think it's, for him, he sees Brennan as a guy who is a veteran who kind of has the team, right? I mean, he's been on this team with a lot of these guys for a long time. Certainly on roster, not been team longer than this. He's seen it all. I think he's healthy now. Brian Kelly repeatedly has talked about the commitment Brennan made to get his body in the right shape, to coming back from that second injury, to mentally dialing in and changing into what is like probably his fifth different offense that he's been a part of since being at LSU. I don't think that even Jaden Daniels came in really rattled him that much. If anything, it seemed like Brennan just stayed the course dialed in. And now we leave spring ball, in my opinion, kind of thinking what we knew ahead. Brennan's in the lead. I'm not sure you'd say this guy right now is 1000% the starter and it's not in question. I think it is an open battle. Um, but I'm with you. I think the one thing people can take away and feel good about is, A, you've added Jaden Daniels, who has a ton of experience and does that stuff with his legs. 
that the others just can't do. Mm-hmm. And that B, Nussmeyer looks really good. This is not a decision that's just, hey, which of these two veterans are you? I think that if they have here at Nussmeyer, like if Brennan got hurt or whatever happens, Nussmeyer has got to play, I don't think the wheels fall off. Yeah, I don't think there's any scenario in which the wheels fall off here because I think we saw in the spring game, the offense clicked regardless of who was that quarterback. When when it when the offense figured it out, it didn't matter who was throwing the ball, and it didn't matter like the run game got going. And at that point, it was it was easy. The offensive line started looking better, and it started looking easy. Um, and I wrote a story earlier, I mean this morning, about what the defense was doing and why it, it took such a drastic turn in favor of the offense. And I do think that is worth noting that the defense really keeping it vanilla might be an understatement. Like it might just, it, they ran one coverage the entire time. And that's what Brian Kelly said after the game. So that's what I knew going into it. I was looking at, but when you watch the tape back, you're like, they literally ran the same cover one like defense man defense the entire time. And so with that in mind, it made life a lot easier on Denbrock and the offense. So I still think the defense is extremely talented. And I think the defense can be fine and we'll get into them in a second, but I say all that to say, I don't know how much I can pull from this exactly. Now, obviously you have Daniels missing those throws, you know, that's never a good thing. You want your quarterback to make those throws and Nuss, Meyer and Brennan were making most of their throws. Obviously I think Nuss, I think it was Nuss who had a, throw to the sideline that was almost intercepted. You know, Brennan had, had his moments as well that were, were contested throws. So none were perfect. And I think for Brennan to be at 75% is higher than it is in my mind. In my mind, it's probably, you know, it's a lot closer. I'm, I'm not going to do the math right here, but to say Daniels isn't in the competition, I think would be wrong. I think D- Daniels is still there. I think Daniels because of his legs will always have a puncher's chance because it's so different and it's so unique. And we don't know exactly what Mike Denbrock's looking for, right? He had Desmond Ritter the past few years and that's a mobile guy. Um, they had um, mobile guys in the past with Brian Kelly. And so does miles Brennan hold on to the ball still at times? Yes. Um, can he be injury prone? Yes. I mean, we don't know exactly what Miles Brennan as the starting quarterback is going to look like, even though we've had three games in the past. Jaden Daniels, for the most part, you know what he's going to look like as a starting quarterback. So I feel like a lot of Brennan and Nussmeyer's, what makes them enticing could be their potential, right? It could be, well, this offense under them could be an offense that completes a lot of passes to this to the sidelines will hit deep shots will be an efficient offense with Daniels it might be a little more hit or miss it might be a little more inconsistent might be more explosive I just don't think there's a world in which I'm cutting Daniels out of the competition based off spring at all and not for nothing Daniels ran out there with the first team every, most of the time when we went to practices and then obviously Brennan got plenty of first team snaps but Daniels was getting a ton of first team reps here. So I, and I don't think that's nothing. I think after the first two weeks, Kelly was like, all right, we have to start, you know, figuring out what the pecking order is across the board. And Daniels was still getting first team reps. So um, Nussmeyer was great. Not taking anything away from that. I think that it was a very, very watered down version of the defense and I think that Nussmeyer and Brennan took advantage of it. Daniels, while he had a good second half, 
struggled initially and uh, kind of made this a have he now has this perception amongst fans doesn't matter amongst coaches but amongst fans it's like Daniels is not going to be able to do anything to win this job back job back and I just don't think that's accurate yeah no doubt I 100% think this thing's still wide open I think that's a good thing um, but I will note Brian Kelly sort of put his hand in his or you know face in his palms when asked about a two quarterback system something he's done before uh, and he pretty much said we do not want to go that road and I don't think that means bringing Dan- if Daniels doesn't win the job and he plays in packages and all that I don't think that's a two quarterback system I think he was meaning more of like a split of we'll figure it out on the run type thing and, and I don't think they're going to do that they'll take a guy so circle catch us in fall camps podcast and then we may have a better that guy open exactly exactly um so yeah that's the quarterbacks I'm interested uh obviously and then what makes it so so much more difficult I feel like is the fact that they are so different you have Brennan on one side of the spectrum you have Daniels on the other side of the spectrum and then you have Nussmeyer which is somewhere in the middle probably a little bit towards Brennan but like you know a gunslinger athlete that can move but isn't fast as as fast as Daniels and so from that perspective I'm looking at it like this this is this is going to be real interesting so all right let's get to some other um position groups here I think we want to let's stay on the offense side of the ball because the offensive line after struggling early and I do think the defensive line is the best unit on this team I think the defense line is is going to be really really good and the defense line gave all the offense fits the offensive line bounced back and at least won their individual matchups. Again, the defense was very basic, very vanilla, didn't run stunts, blitzes, twists, turns, and nothing. They didn't run anything. But the offensive line held up in their in the one-on-ones. And uh what what do you think of what you saw from Will Campbell, all those, all the new guys? Yeah. I think the you no know, offensive line savant and uh I didn't watch the game again and focus on them or anything, but I'll trust Brian Kelly who does a good job of kind of over time developing alignment. And he seems to have, you know, kind of a extra eye on that group, um, you know, through spring just because I think he's one spot where they really need to be developed and find out some answers. I went into spring ball, not knowing who the center was and Charles Turner went first team center from start to end. So I'm presuming they have found out who the first team center is. It'll be Charles Turner. He's a guy who had really played kind of at different spots on the O-line during his first couple of years here. He played everything in high school at IMG, even snaps. So he's versatile. Um, seems like they like his athleticism a good bit for that center spot, too. He's just got to get stronger and um, be able to hold up at the point of attack. But I think going up against Mason Smith and Guillory and Roy, um, guys like that on the <clears throat> interior of LSU's D-line, certainly helps. That's good off-season training. Um, so by the time fall camp rolls around, if he's still in that first spot, that's your guy there. And then Brian Kelly also, he said that Charles Cerner, why well, I said that, uh, held up really well in the spring game. And I think that he thought that pretty much consistently across spring ball, that Turner needed to continue to make progress, but that he was holding up well. So you found an answer at center. And because of Will Campbell, it seems you found out the answer to your, your whole line. Like they put him at left tackle. That allowed them to move Cam Wire to right tackle, a guy who's played a lot of football. You've got him in Doomerville over there now. Uh, that meant sliding Miles Frazier into right guard. Now you've got an answer at right guard and a Juco transfer. Your left guard's a Juco, or excuse me, in a transfer. Your left guard's also a transfer. 
mm-hmm. um, in Tremont Shorts, and then obviously we mentioned Turner at center. So it seems after the spring game, even Kelly said that he thought Will Campbell played excellent and that, you know, he had held up really well. And there had been a lot of praise for him at that left tackle spot since they had moved him there a couple of weeks ago. That was kind of at the midway point of spring ball. And then from there, they sort of honed in on that group. So Xavier Hill's a guy we saw get first team reps. He's, you know, I didn't mention him in that first five. Uh, you'll get Garrett Dellinger back healthy. Guys like Anthony Bradford weren't out there this spring. So They've got some other pieces that you can kind of that have played that you'll see what they can do for you. Um, but it seems that Will Campbell has really gone from early enrollee to potentially the starter at the most important position on the offense, you know, on the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, you kind of mentioned it, but Garrett Dellinger, Marlon Martinez, Anthony Bradford, Martinez, yeah. Three guys who who were not um playing in the spring game. And uh, I don't think well. Well, Anthony Bradford and um, Garrett Dellinger were not during were, were not yeah, they were, during spring. Marlon Martinez. Right. And I shouldn't. I don't yeah, I know. Sleep on Martinez. He was in and out or whatever. Yeah. But after Kim Wire, Martinez has played more than anyone else that's on the offensive line, not counting the two transfers who've been multi-year starters. So, mm-hmm. um, look, O line is that position. We see it every year, Matty B. No matter what level it is, you could be watching your your North Texas squad or LSU. O-linemen get hurt more than anybody, and that's just the nature of playing the position. So they'll need eight, nine guys that they can really say, okay, we can trust to put you in the game. And and I think all those guys, the aforementioned ones, will be part of that. And we'll see what a guy like Emory Jones, who gets here this summer, if he can make up some ground and work his way into a two deep. But um, I like where they're at right now. I'm not sure like any time with the O-line. Like, I'm not sure how good they'll be until we actually see them that first game in September. Let's uh let's roll through the the skill positions here. Let's start with tight end. Uh, Cole Taylor stood out. It was one of the better and more impressive players. I mean, Brian Kelly was even he talked about him at halftime and he talked about him after the game, um, thoroughly about how impressed he was as as a receiver. And Kobe Taylor. Yeah, and then he said he said he called him Kobe Taylor, and it threw everybody for a loop for initially. But you know his heart was in the right place talking about him. So at, at halftime he only said Taylor. He said the tight end Taylor, and so he just I don't know why he went with the full name when he didn't know it. But he we went with Taylor at tight end, and he was impressed with him. So uh, that was that was promising. And then at receiver, it was pretty much everybody we already knew it was in there. I mean, Dre Jenkins went down on the first or one of the first drives with holding his shoulder. I don't know if we have an up injury update on that, but you know, Brian Thomas had the catch down the sideline. Kyron Lacey uh, had, had a couple moments um, where Daniels was throwing it up to him a few times. Uh, who else? Jack Besh looked really good as usual, as we expected. Malik neighbors had a nice, had a couple nice catches. Yeah. Um, that was... neighbors touchdown catch was the play of the day when, yeah. He got tipped and then he batted it to himself and caught it a uh, freakish athlete there. Yeah. I mean, even, even his over the shoulder catch, I think it was from Nussmeyer on the sidelines, uh, kind of similar to the Dre Jenkins one early on, but on the other side of the field, uh, I mean, Malik neighbors just catches everything. That's what Mackay Gardner said. I mean, he's a tremendous receiver. And I'm, he was the one that throughout spring, I was the most impressed with receiver wise. Like he is the one that I was like, okay, this is a guy who I could see breaking out um, this year. Because last year we knew he was talented, didn't have as much – I don't even know how many catches he ended the season with, but it feels like he's set up to be potentially the starter in the slot, maybe over Jack Besh. He's been getting the ones over Besh for the most part. And 
I mean, you put him in the slot. That's a dynamic, dynamic receiver. Not saying Jack Besh isn't dynamic, but they're different players. And I could see a totally you know, different players. Yeah, very different players. So, uh, but if a four receiver set with Besh, neighbors, Butte, and whoever else on the other side. I mean, Jenkins, Thomas, whoever on the other side. That is a disgusting four four receivers set. Yeah, and look, Chris Hilton, I think they, yep. Chris Hilton had a lot of first-team reps across the spring, made some plays and practices, but he was one of the guys that they were like, won't play this weekend, and then he started in the game. So I, I liked it. Look, they got a chance to get Brian Thomas, Chris Hilton, and Malik Neighbors, and Besh a lot of first-team reps this spring, and that's because Butte was out. Dre Jenkins kind of like sat out, I guess, the start of spring ball, and then he came back, but I think it afforded them a chance to really get those guys who are going to be in their second season a lot of looks, and that's good. And you've got Landon Ibietta coming in. Um, he could even factor into the return game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think it's not that, like, we just listed off a bunch of dudes, and it's probably one of their better rooms. It's not incredibly deep. They don't have, like, 13 or 14 scholarship guys in there. They have, like, eight, but – all eight of them, you could make a case that should be out there playing. And and ha- more than half of those eight, you can make a case to say they should be starting. Like Brian Thomas brings something completely different than any of those other guys bring in terms of the, his size, his ability to stretch the field, um, kind of just how he plays the game. And we didn't even list him in that starting group. Now he did mm-hmm. get a bunch of first-team reps in the spring. But I, I like that group as much as the D-line as the two groups I feel by far the best about on the team. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I thought the running – I don't have any big takeaways from the running back position. I don't know if you do. Trey Bradford had a big Goodwin run. Goodwin looked good. Yeah, Goodwin looked good. Mm-hmm. That's that's actually true. I forgot about that. Goodwin looked great. I mean, t- people were calling him RB1 after after this after the this spring game. Maybe I need to post a poll on who's going to be uh, the starting running back for Florida State now. Uh, but, yeah, Goodwin, Goodwin looked great. Uh, Emory had uh, some, some decent runs. Um, I, I like you know, what Kelly said. Because we present John Emery's the senior here, right? And Corey Kiner's transferred out. And Josh Williams got some run. He's a former walk-on, but he's firmly in that mix of guys who, if you're not the starter, you're going to play some of these other running backs in a number of different ways. And he's in there. You've got Armani Goodwin, and then you've got Trey Bradford, as you mentioned. Emery, like we watched him on practice on Thursday, and we were surprised he was dressed out then because he was like limping up and down the field during, you know, just – when the offense had the full 11, they weren't going against the defense, but they were kind of running it real on the air. And it was just limping through that. To see him then both to go there and play, and Brian Kelly said, I know everybody was going to ask, he's hurt. Why are you playing him? He said John Emery came to him and said, look, I want to play because I want to know what it's like to play at 70%, play at 75%, because I can't expect to be at 100% for every game, and I'm not going to sit just because I'm not 100% the game. So – I think that was good to see Emory's kind of, for me, more than anyone else on the team this spring, it seems like the light bulb moment came on for him. And he's about to be a senior. He had to sit a whole year. He could have made up any excuse in the world for things not to take a turn. And they did. And it seems like he's run away with that RB1 spot. Yeah. And and he's going to set the ceiling, I feel like. You know, you kind of get, you know what you're getting from Goodwin and Bradford and the others. If Emory ends up, becoming a really, really talented running back, that kind of changes the ceiling of the, of the running back room. Because we know, if nothing else, this is a running back room that has a lot of capable guys that can move the ball down the field that can be as effective as like Ty Davis Price was. 
Emory has the potential to be, yeah. you know, a game changer at times. He was the number one running back in the country coming out of Destrahan. He's just got different elements to his game that the other guys don't have. Doesn't mean they're not good running backs, but mm-hmm. he's the total package. Yeah, for sure. So that, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, defensively, I, I think a lot of people are going to leave this. I left it. Initially, I left the scrimmage concerned, and I was like, you know, this is, this is unsettling. You know, how do you get – they gave up like seven touchdowns in a row. Yeah, I think yeah, there was like seven or eight touchdowns in a row. It was you, – you, you can't do that to me. And so that's still not good. But, again, when you watch it back, it's like, okay, they didn't run anything exotic. They didn't run any blitzes. They didn't they, – I don't even think they, like, dropped B.J. Jolari out. They didn't drop the jack out at all. It was the same play every single time pretty much. And you can ask why are they doing that? Why did they not have anything else? I don't have an answer to that. But I think at the end of the day, you know, coaches wanted to – wanted their players not to think in a spring game. You know, that's always what they talk about. You want them just to go out and play free so that way you know what you have. I think that's what it was, but still at some point you would like them to make a play here, there in the second half. And it just never happened. So once the quarterback started figuring out, once Denbrock started figuring out, um, it didn't look good for the defense. However, I'm still very high on this defensive line. And if anything, I left it feeling really good about Makai Gardner and Jay Ward and a few of the players in the secondary, I, I felt pretty good about. Yeah, I'm still, you know, I, I did. It was good to see Makai Garner. It was good to see Ward. I thought looked really good. I think he's your best defensive back. Um, Fusha, um, I know can play. Like, I, I don't have to watch a spring game to know that. Um, I feel good about Greg Brooks. I still worry about this outside corner spot just because we don't know for sure. Like, yeah. Converse has played a ton of football, but he was injured all spring. Like, we got to see Garner. Ray Darius Jones and Demarius Key were are the only two returning guys from last year. They were like in and out the whole time. Ray Darius didn't even play in the spring game. And then you've signed seven banks who's coming off an injury. Brian Kelly sounds like he's confident that, you know, he's recovered well and it's not a long-term issue and that he'll be fine to play. But you're sort of piecing together a lot of guys from Ohio State, UL, Oklahoma State, and and hoping that, hey, when they're healthy, they've played and they've been solid and they could work for us, but I don't think that means you snap your fingers and it's fixed. So uh, ball camp will be big for me there because you've got to find some continuity in your defensive backfield where you've got the same guys out there the whole time and they know how to communicate. They kind of get a feel for each other, strength and weakness, and, you know, when safeties need to help but more, whatever it is. I don't think they got that this spring because I don't think half of them weren't even out there. So everyone's sort of settling in. I think the summer and fall will be really big. DB is still my biggest, specifically corner my biggest question on the roster yeah and the biggest strength like i said earlier is defensive line to me i i just can't no see doubt. this defensive line not being elite at the mason smith i mean when i watch him do drills i'm just enamored by how someone that massive can just be <laughs> can be so quick with it and then uh b joe Jolari at the jack i'm interested to see how versatile he is because when i go to practices and we when we go to practices they have the jacks in their own position group now like it's not they're not working with the linebackers or with the defense ends. they're by with them by themselves uh at least when they do individual drills right and so they're doing pass coverages um they're doing different footwork type stuff then they're doing pass rush stuff and so it's a it's a different position than defensive end you know you got Ali Gay at defensive end you have Mason Smith and Jaqueline Roy on the inside and then you have the jack position with BJ Ojolari and it's different 
So that's going to be something to watch for as well. Cause in the spring game, they would just basically blitzed. They rushed him every time. So um, I do think house said it'll be mostly a rushing position, but I think there's a lot of creative things you could do with that. And that adds another layer to it. Like, I think house has tons of possibilities with this defense because at Kentucky, he was pretty versatile and pretty unique. And now he has the talent of this defensive line to where you don't even have to bring a ton of blitzes to get pressure. Um, not, not for nothing. I think uh, Makai Wingo had some really, really good moments. I mean, he's been great throughout spring, but this yeah. line is just incredible. Wingo's a transfer in from Missouri. He'll, mm-hmm. He was freshman All-SEC. His first step is really, really nice. We saw Jaquelin Roy seems to, you know, when the lights come on, Jaquelin Roy plays well. So he'll be a guy. Guillory's in that, you know, kind of nose tackle mix, uh, interior defensive lineman. He's a handful. Um, Mason Smith talked about a lot of these guys and really gave good breakdowns and said, with Guillory, it's just conditioning, you know, and, and that was expected. He's a big one of the biggest kids on the D-line, but he's also a national champion power lifter. So, when he gets his hands on you, it's tough. And uh, I love it. I think this D-line's really good. Um, and look, I, I like the whole front set. Oh, shout out to Xavier Carter. He yeah. seemed to have a really solid spring playing kind of as the, you know, apprentice, the heir apparent after B.J. Ojolari leaves. Apprentice, but, uh, yeah. I, I think that those two are going to give you good looks at that jack spot. Um, he looks really solid now that he's kind of settled into a college program. It's certainly from bulked up a good bit, but – that front seven linebacker, not I don't have any like major takeaways, but the one thing I do take away is two guys went wire to wire as first team from start to finish. It was Mike Jones and Greg Penn. And yep. that meant Baskerville wasn't first team. You know, Jared Small was a guy a year ago as a walk on getting first team reps in spring. Um, he's coming off an ACL injury, but he was out there on second team a good bit. West Weeks was on second team a good bit as a UVA transfer. You got Harold Perkins obviously coming in this summer. You signed Demario Tolan. Um, you've got some talented backers, but to me, it's evident that by the way, House and look, he's not only the DC, he's a linebackers coach. Mm-hmm. The reps really weren't parceled out like they were at other positions. It was the same first team and the same second team pretty much the whole time. And then Baskerville was getting work a little on that second team. But I just presumed going into spring ball it was going to be Baskerville, and then you'd have to find another starter. And very clearly, they like Greg Penn a lot, and Mike Jones is a veteran who certainly is going to be out there as a, a starter and probably one of the vocal leaders of the defense. Yeah, I mean, there's times during the during the scrimmages where they went dime and just had Mike Jones as the only linebacker in like a super um, coverage-type defense there. I, you mentioned it, but behind those two, if you just list the names, it's kind of crazy. You have uh, Harold Perkins, Demario Tolan, West Weeks, Colby Fields, Jared Small, and uh, Michael Baskerville behind Penn and, and Jones. So you have plenty of now. I, I don't want to say you have plenty of depth because it's not a proven depth. And that's what I think most people, when you talk about depth, you talk about proven depth. So I'm not going to say they have that, but from a talent perspective, you're throwing Harold Perkins in the mix and you have Michael Baskerville who started every game last year, or, or I think it was every game last year. Yeah, pretty much everyone they do is available for. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, that's, that's depth that you can use. Now, in this defense, I'm interested to see how House is going to utilize that, uh, those inside linebackers, how much they're going to be in coverage, how much they're going to be blitzing. You know, there's a lot of questions we have when all these guys have very different talents. You know, obviously Perkins' talents is different from Mike Jones. And so you have to – 
disperse or you have to figure that out um, on, on the way to fall. But I feel really good about this, the linebacker, the inside linebacker position specifically here. And then BJ Ojalar, you, you all know, I, I love him out there. So there's not really any weaknesses on this defense besides what you mentioned, the second outside corner spot. And I think a lot of that is just because uh, Bernard Converse ends up getting hurt early on or else maybe he has that Makai Garner-esque spring where we're like, okay, I'm comfortable with him. And even if we are comfortable with them, they are still new and they're still going to have to prove it to us to a degree. But I think Makai Gardner kind of showed, you know, if, if he can get his feet under him and be comfortable, I think uh, Bernard Converse will be able to do the same thing during the summer and the fall. Yeah. And we'll see seven banks will be here from Ohio state. So another experienced corner it, um, they, as you said, They've all got experience. It was just all at different places and different conferences. And how they fit in with this defense is really the only thing that matters at this point. And I don't think we'll know that until we get through the summer and into fall camp. Yeah, exactly. So um, if you want those analysis of the transfers, um, I'll plug our, my transfer analysis pieces on every yeah, single Bob. every single uh, transfer. Heck for, heck, for every sport. I did the women's basketball wins as well. Three and one for that one. So Transfer portal king, Addy B. <laughs> I, and in this era, man, I, I can make, I'm just making a living off of transfer analysis, man. Every Full single day, transfer analysis. every single day, there's a new, a new transfer to analyze. And I am the analyzer. So the, the analyst. <laughs> yeah, correct. So, um, but all right, I think that's all we got. Uh, do you feel like we missed anything here? No, we didn't talk about special teams, but I don't, I don't think Mata, Ezekiel Mata is from California. He's a walk-on, been on the team a couple of years I don't think he missed a field goal, so they might have been perfect there or an extra point either. Um, wasn't anything long, you know, but he was consistent. And he had a 48-yard field goal. Yeah, that's long. There you go. I'm sorry. I'm spoiled by Cade York here with 60 yards. Oh, 50, but, yeah, 50-plus is long. That's all, that's all that's long for us. Uh, but we saw Peyton Todd a little bit. Um, you know, he wasn't shanking him or anything, so maybe in his second year of college he's settling in. But, again, I think the two odds-on favorites – those two jobs aren't even on campus and yeah. Bramplett from Notre Dame, who's been the punter for Brian and then Brian Kelly the past seasons. And then early two seasons. Uh, and then Nathan Diver, who was their kick. Um, is coming from Michigan. as kind of a top five kicker nationally. He's got a ton of leg, um, broke some Michigan high school records with, a, I think he had a 60 plus yarder in high school. So um, for me, the two odds on favorites probably aren't here yet, but at least we got to get a glimpse of, of kind of what Mata and, and Peyton Todd can do. Certainly are, are the go-to guys. To all right. Uh, that's all we got for y'all today. Uh, we hope y'all enjoyed the podcast. Uh, we have a lot of content on the site, go, uh, go 247.com. So be sure to check that out. Um, like I said, transfer analysis for seven banks for everybody you can imagine. Just type in, you can probably Google it. Uh, seven banks transfer analysis but um yeah we, we hope you all enjoyed it leaves a five-star rating and review on apple wherever you get your your podcast spotify all that good stuff uh, you can follow us on twitter uh at shay dixon and at matthew bruni underscore and at go247 um so we appreciate y'all for joining us and we will talk to y'all later okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.